All right. Amen. Okay. Wow. It's good to see everybody uh, this evening. Uh, let's pray and, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your love. And um, Father, because we're broadcasting, we won't call the young man's name in particular, but you know who we're speaking of. Father, our brother that's got some um, court issues that he'll be dealing with tomorrow. We thank you for favor, Lord, uh, for him. And, uh, and we believe, Father, for a breakthrough in his life. And Father, that your goodness will uh, be revealed, Lord, in these proceedings. And we thank you, Father, for your mercy and for your grace. Lord, both for him and for all of us tonight. Lord, thank you for those who are with us in the room, those who are joining us online. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us tonight. And Father, uh, as you speak to us, we also say thank you for helping us hear and receive and understand um, that which you're saying. And um, so, Father, uh, as, as we come before you, we recognize, Lord, that um, you are not only speaking and ministering to us tonight, but you desire to equip us and help us, Father, uh, be lights shining for you uh, in this dark world. So, Lord, I thank you tonight uh, for information, for revelation, but also, Father, for impartation and demonstration of your word and power. And we thank you, Lord, in advance for everyone who's going to be ministered to because these have taken time out of their busy schedules to receive from you what not only they need, but other people need. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen and Amen. Wow. Um, so, uh, praise God. Let me just uh, briefly uh, comment. We were uh, absent last week at a minister's conference in, uh, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, out at Eagle Mountain International Church. And um, let me just say from that uh, conference that uh, the body of Christ is alive and well on planet Earth. Amen. Amen. That our, our Father's kingdom is, is growing and advancing. And um, a lot of times, you know, the secular news uh, only shows us all the bad and horrible things that are going on in the world. And, and, um, but let me tell you, there's a whole lot more uh, that's going on in the world that, that in other words, our side's winning. And uh, even when it doesn't look like we're winning, we're winning. Amen. And uh, so, uh, so praise God, you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And, um, and our Father, uh, amen, is, is using His people. Let me just encourage you uh, tonight uh, to uh, take the limits off of God. Um, we limit Him because we are legal authority here on this earth. And, um, and He wants to do so much more in all of our lives than we are currently allowing Him the opportunity and privilege to do. So um, let Him stretch you. Let Him uh, reveal Himself to you. Let Him help you tonight. Amen? All right. Um, so just quick review. We're in the section of our study that we call Three Questions. Um, and the questions are in this order for uh, intentional purposes. Um, we said the first question, why am I? And it correlates with purpose. Number two, who am I correlates with identity. And then number one, what am I? And that correlates with our origin. Um, you'll never know why you are, do you know who you are? And you never know who you are until you know what you are. So we've been answering this question, what is man? Uh, and again, not just to give you my opinion or some theory or some philosophy, but we've wanted to, you know, we want to know what the Word says. Amen. Father's Word is truth. And His truth is what sets us apart. Jesus prayed for us in John the 17th chapter and the 17th verse that our Father would separate us from this world and that He would separate us from this world by His truth. Sanctify them by Thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. 
And so the, the Word of God, the truth of God, working in your life as you embrace it, as your life and, and, and daily life and practices, you know, how you live your life on a daily basis, as, as that uh, comes into uh, greater alignment with God's Word and the truth, uh, that's going to separate you uh, from this world. Amen. Uh, don't be afraid of that. Uh, the Bible says all who live godly will suffer persecution. Uh, and, and persecution is just referring to pressure that's being applied to you uh, from the world around you to try to mold you and shape you into thinking and, um, and uh, uh, believing and talking and acting just like them. Amen. And so the, the greater the, the persecution, uh, if you understand what persecution is really about and, and what the enemy is trying to do through his mechanism of persecution, uh, you should take it as a compliment. Amen. Because it means that somebody's noticing that you're living differently from everybody else. Amen. And so the Word of God will do that uh, to us and for us. And one of the things that the truth of God will separate us from is uh, religious uh, falsehoods, false beliefs, traditionally held beliefs. In other words, things that, that maybe uh, mainstream religion uh, believes, uh, but is absolutely not supported by the Word of God, by the truth that we find in the Scriptures. Amen? So we want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen? Because the truth's what sets us free. Right? The truth's what sets us free. If the truth is what enables us to live the life of freedom that God created us to live, then it has to be believing something that's not true or not knowing the truth uh, that is you know, locking us down, holding us back, uh, keeping us from the life that God uh, created us to live, our best life. Amen? So we long for the truth, we pursue the truth, and thankfully, Father uh, wants us to know His truth and His Holy Spirit is helping us connect with it. Praise God. All right, so um, again, all of these courses, these classes are, are recorded, video, audio, they're accessible. I'm not going to try to reteach these classes, but the first thing we looked at, answer this question, what is man? We said that man is a God class being. And if you're new to the class, either online or in the room, and that seems kind of like a uh, you know, shocking or strong statement to you. Again, it's not just my theory or opinion. Um, we spent probably two and a half hours looking at Bible verses that bear this out. Amen. The next thing we looked at is that, number two, what is man? Man is a spirit being. Man is a spirit being. Now, the enemy wants you to think of yourself as a flesh being. But you are not a flesh being. You are a spirit being that lives inside of an earth or flesh suit. Amen. This outward part of you is not eternal. That inward part of you, the real you, is the part of you that is absolutely eternal. Okay? So um, man is a spirit being. Uh, there's lots of reasons why it's important for us to understand this. Amen? And the, the key ones go to, uh, you know, your true identity is not the reputation of your flesh but your new creation in Christ Jesus, who you became the day you became that new man or woman in Christ. Right Now, this last one, uh, number three, man, I say last one, it's not the last one, it's the last one we've talked about. Man is the legal authority on earth. Man is the legal authority on earth. Um, there's a whole lot of confusion uh, about why things are the way they are on planet Earth because people do not understand 
what they are, um, what God made them. Amen. And you are the legal authority here on planet Earth. God created you and me with free will. He created you and me to choose Him and love Him and, and be friends with Him and, and, and know Him. But He also created us with the ability to choose otherwise um, if, if that's our desire. And so you are the legal authority on earth. We looked at scriptures that seem to, again I'm using that word very cautiously, that seem to contradict because there are places in the Bible where it says the earth belongs to man. And then there are places in the Bible where it says the earth belongs to God. And so you think, well, which one is it? Well, there's one understanding that will justify this seemingly uh, uh, contradiction uh, of Scripture. And that, that understanding is the concept of a lease. Um, lease in the sense that God created the earth, and therefore He is the owner of the earth, but He has extended a lease to mankind. He drew that line in the sand in the Garden of Eden when he said the heavens were his and the earth belongs to us. So because this is our domain where Father told us to have dominion and then we, Adam, surrendered that dominion over to Satan. Jesus came as the last Adam to, to uh, restore you and me back into that right standing with Father God. Again, more to come on that in the days, of head, days ahead. So we see that um, as, a, as a landlord, as, as someone who owns property leased to someone else, um, I actually have to get permission from the leaseholder to go into my property to fix a problem for them. Amen. And so, again, we see that Father God, because we're legal authority here, this is, this is one of the key factors, one of the key purposes for prayer. Um, prayer is where we as the least holder of the earth are inviting our Heavenly Father, the owner of the earth, to come through us into the earth. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, right, so that the King of glory can enter in. Amen. So we become that passageway, that everlasting door, amen, through which our Heavenly Father is able to uh, intervene, even interfere, uh, into uh, the affairs of mankind. Praise God. If that's new to you or if it's not new to you and you're still a little unsettled about it, just ask the Lord. Just, just think about, you know, one of the things that, um, praise God, one of the things that, that you know, I was, I've been given a lot of answers from religion over, over the years that um, when I first heard them, I said, okay, wow, so that's how that is. But then it, it, it doesn't play out. It, it doesn't make sense. Are you follow what I'm saying? It, it, it sounded good, but it's like, okay, if that's the case, then why is this, why is that, why is this? So when you really receive the truth and begin to look at things through the lens of truth, now all of a sudden it becomes perfectly clear uh, why things are the way they are and, and how those things um, function. Praise God. Um, now, uh, let's go to uh, James chapter 1 and verse 17. This is one of the last verses that we looked at together um, week before last, last time we were together, class 19. And um, we, and that's my tendency. Sometimes we start running out of time and I start speeding up, right? Because I want to try to get as much uh, in front of you as I can uh, when we're together. Uh, but I want to I go back to this because When we, when we make a statement and then support it from Scripture, such as man is legal authority on planet Earth, um, 
where we ultimately try to take these things is what I call the street level of life. In other words, um, if that's true, and I understand that some of you still may be you know, a little uncertain about that, but again, this is another way that you can process truth. If this is true, then what does it mean? What, what does it look like? How does this uh, affect and, and impact me? All right. And so, James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift uh, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Let me put the King James Version on the screen. And it's very similar. Uh, but it says, uh, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. Variation, variableness. And so, this uh, is a simple... A math equation, 10 plus x equals, fill in the blank. And in this equation, 10 is the constant and x is the variable, right? So the, the result or the answer of this equation depends upon how you play the variable. If, it's, if x is 1, then the answer is 11. If x is 100, then the answer is 110. But the, the outcome of this equation is based upon the insertion of the variable. So if you think of this in terms of your life equation, your life equation, and those simple, I know life is more complex than this, but again, simple, simple, simple. If this is your life equation, this is God and this is you. In other words, He is the constant. There is no variation with Him. There is no variableness with Him. In other words, when it comes to your life equation, you hold the variables. He, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love, he, he loved you before Adam ever breathed oxygen in this atmosphere. Um, he's been for you before there was a you. Amen. He, what He desires for you and from you uh, has, has been the same uh, and will be the same a thousand years from now. Amen. So the, the, the variableness in life and the variableness of results in life uh, come back to our own choices the variables and, and how we play them, right? Uh, give and it'll be given unto you. Uh, if you give bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you give sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Who decides whether or not you give bountifully or sparingly? <laughs> you decide that, right? You decide that. God's law is whatever you plant, you're going to reap. Okay, that's a constant. That's a certain. Uh, amen? That's a certainty. He even says in Galatians, don't be deceived, God's not mocked. In other words, you're not the exception. Whatever a man sows, they'll also reap. And we know that when you plant something, it doesn't come back to you uh, in the same quantity that you planted it, but you plant something, it comes back in a greater quantity, in a greater measure. Okay. So again, do you see how the constant here is God, whatever you plant, you're going to reap. The variable then is you and me. What we plant and how much we plant. Uh, all of these things, again have direct, direct influence on the results that we experience in life, okay? Now, for some reason over the years, um, I've taught some, uh, <laughs> you know, some form of, of this truth uh, to people, uh, and I have experienced, um, uh, you know, two very polarizing responses from that. Uh, in other words, some folks, it's like the best news they've ever heard. To know that there's something they can actually do in life by faith, in agreement with God's Word, that will you know, directly uh, affect what they experience in life. 
uh, is like a game changer for them. Uh, others become very offended at it um, and, uh, and reject and resist the very idea of it. Okay? I happened to be, when I first uh, was you know, being taught these things, these things were being revealed to me, I was like, man, this is a good day. right? Um, that there's actually something that I can do in cooperation with my Heavenly Father um, that, that literally, and I, we teach on these things a lot. There's, I'm not here to try to break down every instance in Scripture, but you know, we see it throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, um, where uh, you know, what people get out of an experience with God um, directly uh, correlates with what they put into it. Amen. And so thank God uh, that we have these things available to us. Yes, sister. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Visible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, we hold not some, not most, all the variables. There's no variableness with God. I love what John the Beloved said about him. In him is light and there is no darkness at all. Amen. Not a smidgen, not an iota, not a molecule of darkness um, within him. Nothing deceptive, nothing um, uh, that's not genuine, nothing that's, uh, amen. It, I'm, I'm talking about our Father, right? Uh, in other words, people uh, either deliberately, intentionally, or are or unintentionally can disappoint us and let us down, but not our Father. He's always at the peak of His glory. He's always at the top of His game. There's, there's no shadow of turning with Him. And so, um, you know, it, it requires a certain amount of, of humility, you know, to, to look at these things in life, our, the outcomes that we've been experiencing in life, and realize, amen, that, um, that this is not... God doing these things to us, uh, but these are, um, again, results from things that, that we have planted, choices that we have made. And the good news is, you know, even like when it comes to the, to the, to the how about, well, let me give you the example. God says, I set before you this day uh, blessing and cursing, life and death. And let me give you a hint, choose life. I mean, he even tells you what to choose, right? It's like, this is, these are your choices, <laughs> And choose this one, right? I mean, he's like telling you the answer to the test uh, before you even take it. Praise God. All right, now, oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, let's do this. Um, I think Romans 12 and 2, um, I believe this may have been the part that we really rushed. And so, you know, now we're about 15, 20 minutes into this now, and we still are reviewing from our last class. But I just, you know, there are. Somebody was, was asking me, you know, the other day uh, uh, about, you know, kind of my, my attitude and sometimes the way that I carry myself when I'm preaching and teaching. And, um, you know, the Word of God has made such a difference in my life. It's made a, a, such, such a difference in, in my quality of life. Um, 
you know, almost 33 years now married to Pam, um, and, uh, and, and we love each other like teenagers. I mean, we, you know, I, I, was, I was like moping around Monday because I got to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, with her in a row. Uh, and, and uh, you know, again, I, I, could, I could go on and on and on, but here, here's the thing about the blessing of, of the Lord in, in your life and, and the goodness of God in your life is you want other people to experience it. Um, I, I'll, I'll never be satisfied um, with just me and my family being blessed. Um, I, I want to see every family at Heritage be blessed. I want to see every uh, individual at, at Heritage. Um, or, and when I say at Heritage, you understand what I mean, that I have uh, any opportunity to, to be a friend and a brother to and, and minister to. Um, it's, it's not enough for, for me and my family to be healthy. And I'm, by, by healthy, I mean in every way. Um, I want to see you and your family uh, be healthy in every way. And so there, the things that I stand up here and talk to you about week in and week out, these aren't just some cool things that I read in the book and thought it'd be nice to tell somebody someday. These, these are things that I've lived and, 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 and am living, okay? Um, years ago... Uh, somebody asked me a question and I think was talking about uh, a miracle from the Word of God and um, and somebody asked me a question they said Pastor Mark do you believe all of that and this is the answer that came out of me I heard myself say it wasn't like I thought oh this would be a clever answer I'm waiting for somebody no I heard myself say I am all that amen or this this isn't just something that that I believe um, uh, Rich Mullins uh, he's with Jesus now but he wrote a song years ago and this line in the song he says look th- this isn't something i made up this is something that's making me amen <laughs> in other words I, i'm not making this this is making me um and so romans uh 12 and 2 uh, we could start with one beseech therefore brethren mercies of god present your bodies living sacrifice holy acceptable to god reasonable service amen but here we come to do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind had a lot of people ask me, they said, you know, how, how was the minister's conference? How was your trip? And my simple answer, and it's not an exaggeration, it was life-changing. And it was life-changing based upon this verse. Um, because my mind was renewed last week, my life was changed. Um, the, the key, now if, if you're not a born-again man or woman, you need to get born again. That's where change begins for you. But for the born-again believer, ongoing, uh, developing uh, transformation, amen, uh, is experienced in our lives through the renewing, the reconditioning um, of our minds. And we see that there's pressure from the world that's trying to form the way we think. And we can't allow that to happen. If you do nothing in this world in which we live, because it's a negative place, you'll become a negative person. If you're going to be a positive person in a negative world, it's going to require deliberate and intentional action on your part. Amen. But notice what he's saying here. It's the renewing of your mind. Think like somebody who's been born again so that you may prove. Prove means what you think it means. Um, you, you know, somebody says, show me some proof. Father wants you and me to be living sacrifices that become living proof of a living God. Amen. Where your life, again, set them apart by thy truth. Where, where people 
see the goodness of God in your life and are, are, and are attracted to that or drawn to that. That you may prove. Prove is, is not talking about something theoretical, but it's talking about something that, that is, is, is visible and obvious and um, is, is something that can be pointed to and, and literally say, there it is. There it is. All right? So we see that, that the will of God, let's, let's go back to man um, is the legal authority on planet earth. And obviously, Father has a purpose for establishing that line of authority and giving us dominion over this domain. And he's saying that he wants to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, amen, uh, for your life and for my life. Now, the key thing here is um, good, acceptable, and perfect are not talking about three levels, three degrees, um, like, you know, you start out at acceptable, go to good, and next thing you know, you're in the perfect will of God. I, people teach and preach that, that way all the time, but that is, um, there's something being lost in translation there, because good, acceptable, and perfect are three Greek adjectives. Remember, the, the Bible wasn't written in English, it was written in Greek. These are three different descriptive words, all describing the will of God for your life and for mine. So, without breaking each one of these words down, um, what we see, just generally speaking, is he's talking about the well-pleasing, beneficial, all-encompassing will of God for your life and for my life. That word perfect will of God, it means something that's come full circle. Again, something that is all-encompassing. A lot of times we think that, that God maybe only has a, a desire or a plan for the big parts of our lives. But the will of God for your life and for my life is all-encompassing. In other words, He hasn't left any stone unturned. He hasn't left any detail um, out of these things. Amen. And, and by the way, all you, have to, uh, to, uh, you know, all you have to do to understand how detail-oriented our God is is look at the world that He's made. Okay? And, and if He is that detail-oriented when it comes to um, you know, microscopic organisms, uh, then how much more is He uh, when it comes to your life and my life, okay? So the well-pleasing, God's will is well-pleasing. In other words, let me say it a simpler way, can I? You're going to like it, amen. You, 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 you're going to be really satisfied. It's going to be well-pleasing to you, amen. And it's beneficial. In other words, there's benefit to it. There's, there's uh, you know, good things, amen, that are associated with it. And it's um, all-encompassing. Uh, every area, every aspect of your life. Now, um, let's do this. Praise God. Um, let me talk to you for just a moment as well, while we're on the subject, about what I call the macro will of God and the micro will of God. Okay? The macro will of God and the micro will of God. Let me, let me try to connect this to this bigger point um, that we are the legal authority here um, on planet Earth. Okay? Um, God's will is often thought of as whatever happens. And remember now, I'm not going to take time to go back and review all that because that was almost um, two-thirds of our last class together. But we said that things happen every day on planet Earth that are not God's will, that God does not want to happen. And um, the enemy of your soul, uh, and, and religion has 
has, you know, uh, really perpetuated this, this lie, amen, that everything that happens is God's will. And the, the Bible doesn't support that. Um, we see clearly in Scripture uh, things that have happened on individual scales all the way up to national things, amen, that were absolutely, positively not God's will, but it happened anyway because people wouldn't listen to him. He was trying to intervene and, and rewrite um, uh, you know, uh, a history there for them. Um, and then we also see that there are things that God does desire, He does will, uh, to happen on planet Earth, uh, but do not. Um, things that He doesn't want to happen that do, things that He does want to happen that don't. And again, I, I know for some folks, that's, that, they don't like that. Um, uh, you know, it's just much easier just to kind of blame God for everything. And religion will tell you that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways, brother, you know, and, and, and this kind of thing, right? And, um, of course, my answer to that is, man, if he'd only written us a book, you know, so that we could know, oh, wait, he did. That's right, it's called the Bible. Amen. And so, so amen, I know, again, these things may be a little unsettling for you uh, if, if you've never heard it. Um, but, you know, one of the most destructive lies and deceptions that the enemy has pulled uh, on, on people in general and the body of Christ in particular is this lie that God is in control. And so we say, you know, whatever happens, you know, God's in control, God's in control. Well, if, so what do you do then with the part where he puts you in control? <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? Amen. And so, again, I know these are... Um, uh, are things that not many in the body of Christ talk about these days. But uh, again, the will of God is often thought of as whatever happens when we should instead be thinking of the will of God in terms of something that must be sought out and surrendered to. Sought out and surrendered to. See, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane had to surrender His will to the will of His Father. He was not excited about what was uh, soon to happen to Him. You know what I'm saying here? He wasn't excited about being beaten almost to death. He, he, he was not excited about that. He was, you know, I mean, shouldn't even be using that word excited. He, he, he knew what was coming and He was struggling with it. And He kept saying, Father, if there's any way this cup can be taken from Me, but then what would he say? Not my will, but your will be done. There was, there was a, 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 a conflict there that, that Jesus had to resolve by surrendering his will to his Father. Okay, Remember, he could have called angels to come and take him off that cross had he chosen to do that. He had the choice to do that. But it was his love for you and me that kept him nailed to that cross. Not those spikes. Not those spikes. Amen? So, are you, are you seeing, this will help us, because, you know, the enemy would just have us kind of, you know, just flitting along through life, and, and, and never really understanding that the will of God is something that needs to be sought out, it needs to be understood, and it needs to be surrendered to. Yes, my brother. Okay.
says, you know, sometimes God's will is just a man's mind. So the only thing God had to do was just was just see that my mother in the floor. Amen. Amen. Am I right or wrong for my the way I look at that? So um Again, not my opinion, but what does the Word of God say? And that is that, that you're absolutely correct. Um, you know, Jesus was beaten almost to death and, bled, and then bled to death naked on a cross to deliver us from the curse and from sin and sickness and, and these things. Um, so, amen. You know, people say, well, God took them. Well, you know, the only people God took didn't die. You see what I'm saying? Amen. So I like the, the, even the wording that you used, that he received her. Amen. He received her. And, um, you know, right now in, in, in this moment, in this life, things like that seem so difficult and so devastating. But um, give it about 5,000 years, and we may, we may not even remember um, the last few years of, of your life, which would be the last few minutes of your life on planet Earth without her. So it's, it's, it, it's, it's perspective. But, again, that, that makes a lot of folks uncomfortable because like and you said it brother that that well-meaning people use these falsehoods to try to bring comfort um and and you know in this bigger uh picture um but again the truth is all we've got amen and and we need to know the truth um and i guarantee you if your mom could stand here and speak to us today she would, she would want you to know the truth, amen, and, and not uh, some of the things that, again, uh, have been uh, misunderstood, let's just say, about these things. So, the will of God is something that must be sought out, it must be understood, and it must be surrendered to. Uh, if you had not figured it out by now, you can do anything you want with your life. You can choose anything that you want to choose, okay? Um, but obviously, the Holy Spirit, just as the enemy... Satan is trying to tempt us and lure us away. Um, the Holy Spirit is trying to draw us and woo us and, and, and bring us um, to the Father. So let's talk real quick about the macro will of God versus the micro will of God. This is something the Lord taught me in my teenage years. Um, I knew that I was called in the ministry and uh, I had a lot of fear in those days. And one of my biggest fears was that I was going to miss God's will for my life. And um, I won't go through a lot of the decisions that I made back in those days, but I made some poor decisions, uh, some things that were opportunities for me that I turned down because of my fear that if I made those choices, if I took those opportunities, that it would somehow carry me away from God's will instead of towards it. And so I would literally fast and pray, uh, you know, I'm not proud of it, but like just begging God to show me His will for my life. And He um, brought clarity to that time uh, with, with these words here. Okay? And um, the, uh, the, the macro of anything is think macrobiology, macroeconomics. Uh, to simplify it, that's the big picture. Okay? Where the micro of anything, microbiology, microeconomics, is talking about the, 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 the details or the, or the smaller picture. Okay? And what the Lord showed me is that when I was asking Him for His will for my life and begging Him to show it to me, 
is that I was really looking for the micro will of God. Um, I was looking for details. I was looking for specifics. And, um, and, and of course, there are like, let, let, me, let me give you one example now looking back. Okay, um, Heritage Christian Center uh, started, the Lord birthed this church um, in the showroom of mine and Pam's, uh, our cabinet shop, the first Sunday of June, 1998. Okay, Now, when I was 14 years old, um, if the Lord had said, because He knew, if the Lord had said uh, to me, um, you want details, son? I'll give you details. June the sixth, nineteen June the seventh, nineteen ninety-eight. Um, the church you you'll pastor until I, you know, return for you. Amen. We'll start in the showroom of your cabinet shop. <laughs> cabinet shop. Who would have known? Are you are you know what I'm saying? Um, now, see, then in in my uh, zeal, uh, I would have I would have started trying to learn how to build cabinets. See, I would have, I would have, right, I would have circumnavigated a whole bunch of things. Um, I mean, I, my thought would be, go to college. You don't got to go to college around how to make cabinets. My destiny is in cabinets, right? So there are reasons why some of these details are, are kept uh, hidden from us. We don't need to know them because we'll mess it up, right? But this is what the Lord showed me. The macro will of God for my life involves things that are as clear as they can be, okay? I never have to ask God if it's His will for me to study His Word. I never have to ask Him if it's His will for me to go and sin. I never have to ask Him if it's His will for me to, to pay my tithes and spend time with Him in prayer. In other words, there are all kinds of things that fall into the category of what I call the macro will of God. All kinds of things. Never have to ask Him... Father, you know, it's Sunday night. Are you sure it's your will for me to go to church on a Sunday night? No, see, again, it's, don't forsake assembling yourselves together, you know. And, and when that was written, they met every day. They had church every day, okay. And so I never have to ask him these things. I know that this is the will of God concerning me. Amen. And this is what the Lord showed me, and it changed my life forever and is still changing to this day, that if I will commit myself to the part of his will that I know, He'll make sure I never miss the part of His will that I don't know. Amen. If I'll focus on what I understand and do that as unto Him with, with all my heart, He will lead me and guide me and direct me. And, and again, I have the luxury now of looking back on 50 years. Or I was born again when I was 5 years old, so let's just say 40 years. That would have been from, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old, so I was baptized in the Holy Spirit 41 years ago. I have the luxury now of looking back over 41 years and even seeing times in my life when I chickened out and should have taken steps of faith that I didn't take. So you think, okay, he, I missed the boat. I missed that opportunity. Well, no, because the Lord eventually brought me back around to that same opportunity yet again. Amen. So focus on the part that we know. Amen. Trust Him. Lean not to your own understanding. And He will what? The steps of a righteous, he'll direct your path. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So I know there's a lot of you here in the room tonight, watching online, listening online. You've got, you know, things about your future that you're not sure about. You want to know details. 
specifics, these kinds of things. Um, the Lord knows those things. Um, don't get so caught up in, in, in trying to understand that uh, that you fail to focus on what you know to be His will for you and let Him lead you the rest of the way. Amen? All right. Now, <clears throat> one last thing that is um, it's, it's a bit uh, sensitive, uh, but we're going to go there. Amen? Uh, Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And um, let's, uh, praise God, let's, let's talk about this and then we'll move on uh, to the number four uh, statement about what is man, okay? Revelation chapter 19 and verse number six, okay? All right, everybody with me? Now, this verse doesn't say this, okay? There's a verse in the Bible that says that the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Alright? The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Alright? So I'm asking you tonight to hear the Spirit of what I'm about to tell you, not the letter. So what do you mean by that, Pastor Mark? I'm saying don't get so caught up in splitting the hair of terminology that you miss... Um, what it is, the spirit of what Father God is trying to say to you right now. Okay? Is that fair enough? All right. You say, well, I don't know. What are you going to tell me? Well, again, just hang on. All right? All right. So, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Alright, now, you do realize we're going to hear this sound one day, right? Are <laughs> you excited about that? Woo, it's going to be something. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been like in a stadium, a football stadium or something like that, and just the, the noise of a great multitude. Well, this is a great multitude times a great multitude times a great multitude times a great multitude, right? And they're all right as the sound of many waters and mighty thunderings. Uh, saying, Alleluia, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Now, this word omnipotent is a unique word, and it is where we get the truth of our God being all-powerful. Omni meaning all, potent meaning powerful. Our God is omnipotent, omnipotent, meaning what? He is an all powerful God okay all right so let's let's nail it down and make sure we have it nailed down our God is omnipotent our God is all-powerful amen we see that there has never been and there never will be anyone more powerful than our God. Amen. Amen. He is omnipotent, and we serve an omnipotent God. He is our all-powerful Father. Amen? Okay, so I want to make sure you understand that, because religion has tried to demote Him 
to sovereign. Our God is not sovereign. He's omnipotent. And there is a difference. There is a difference. See, this is one of the subtle ways that the enemy tries to slip wrong thinking in because you've probably heard it said, maybe you've said it, maybe you're somebody who likes to say that God is sovereign. Okay? Not so. God is more than sovereign. He is much more than sovereign. Our God is omnipotent. Okay? Now, why am I trying to, again, say something that's inflammatory, you know, just let it be, Pastor Mark? No, no, li- listen to me. Again, we've got to recognize the difference here because so many times when someone says God is sovereign, they're saying it in context of blaming Him or crediting Him for something that He had nothing to do with. Amen. Amen. Well, God is sovereign. Okay? No, He's not. He's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. How many times do you think the word sovereign is used in the King James Version of the Bible? Not a single one. It's only some other translations later down, later down the road that insert uh, that word. When you go into the original Greek, you will not find the word sovereign in there. Now, let me tell you again, if he's not sovereign, then what does sovereign mean? Sovereign, by definition, listen to me now, sovereign speaks of someone who exercises supreme authority in a limited sphere. A limited sphere. So for instance, the United States of America is a sovereign nation. Right? And we see then that what classifies a nation as a sovereign nation is this concept of autonomy. I'm going somewhere with this now. Autonomy then becomes a key factor in determining sovereignty. Autonomy being what? The right or ability to self-govern. Canada has no right to tell us, United States of America, how we should govern ourselves in the same way. We have no right to tell them how. They're a sovereign nation. We're a sovereign nation. Mexico's a sovereign nation. You got the picture. Okay? So, if you look closely at the definition, we see that God is omnipotent and you are sovereign. You're the sovereign one here. An omnipotent God created you as a sovereign man or woman. Meaning what? Meaning you have the right and ability to self-govern. You can live your life any way you choose to live it. Now obviously there's consequences. I sometimes use this as an example. You know, I'm free to go rob a bank. But if I do that, I just cut all of my choices down to almost none from that point forward, right? In other words, 
If, if I go rob a bank, I'm not going to enjoy the, li- the liberties and the freedoms that I enjoy right now because I made a choice that, that cut and, and severed a whole bunch of my options in life uh, away from me. And that's how the enemy, obviously, you know, he tries to manipulate our choices because with every choice we make, I'm free to do this. Yeah, well, once you do it, you're going to be a lot less free to do the next thing. Am I right about it? Because ultimately what the devil's trying to get every human being into a place to where the only choice we seem to have is take our own life. The only way to end the chaos is to end your life. That's the only choice remaining. He's a liar, right? But that's what he's trying to do. So again, what if we understood it this way? That God is omnipotent and an all-powerful omnipotent God. In other words, one sovereign nation can overthrow another sovereign nation. Remember when Germany decided they wanted France? I mean, France was, was sovereign. Germany was sovereign. But one sovereign overthrew another. There is nobody equal to our God. There is no one who's going to overthrow Him. Are you seeing this? Okay? So an omnipotent God created a sovereign man. So we, therefore, must surrender our sovereignty to His omnipotence. This is what glorifies Him. When we can live our lives any way we choose, and we choose to live our lives the way He created and intended for us to live them. This is surrendering our will to Father's will. Amen. You got it? Yes, sir. Ooh, brother, I feel it right now. Yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. None. Amen. Prefers his word above his name. Psalm one fifteen sixteen, I believe it is, yeah. Mm-mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If he walked in here and said it was Saturday, it'd be Saturday, right? Amen. Because he's omnipotent, right? If he was sovereign, again, you know, look at how this sovereign nation has changed over the years. Things that we do now that our founding fathers would have never, ever... You follow what I'm saying? Anyway, I don't want to go off on the politics tonight. But, but so, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And notice now, think about it for a moment. I'm, every year I'm like, I'm not even going to talk about that, Father. Yes, I am. Nah, yes, I am. Okay? But listen, letter kills, spirit gives life. Yes? 
Tomato, tomato. You know, right? So, sometimes with terminology, sometimes, I'm convinced that a lot of the disagreements in the body of Christ are disagreements over what a word means. Okay? By what a word means. See, if by sovereign you mean God is God and He can do anything He wants to do anytime He wants to do it, you're wrong. You're wrong. Right? Because He has given us His Word and He prefers His Word above His name. This is how we can trust Him with our lives and our eternities. Because of what He has said and it will not change. It will not change. Amen. Amen. But now think about it for a moment. Think about it for a moment. I'm not saying God is less than sovereign. I'm saying He's more than sovereign. You see the difference there? Why, why should that offend anybody? Why should that aggravate anybody? I mean, it'd be different if I told you He wasn't sovereign and said He was less than something sovereign. No, no. He is in a league of His own. He is in a category of His own. He is all-powerful. The only one. Whoever has been or ever will be. Amen. We, we see what happened when Lucifer decided he was going to rebel against him. <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, world war or whatever. I mean, it was like lightning. I mean, it was over. I mean, you know. Amen. Amen. So again, if sometimes, back to the terminology, sometimes when people say sovereign, they, what they really mean is omnipotent. Okay, They're not thinking about what they're saying. But more times than not, you listen carefully now, because again, you know, remember that red truck I bought, I thought nobody else had one like until I drove it home and saw three on the way home, right? Now that you've heard this, your ears are going to be, see like Sister Betty, she's, she hears it, she hears it, hears it, hears it, hears it, right? Uh, more times than not, when you hear somebody saying God is sovereign, what they're saying, and the context of what they're saying is that there's something here that's totally out of character for God, but evidently God did it, and so we don't understand it, but God is sovereign. In other words, no, 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 see again, you're not understanding who's the legal authority, that there's a very real devil, so forth, so on and so forth. Yes, sir, brother. Yes, sir. A absolutely. It's it's. Um, listen, I, I'm a, I'm an English speaker. It's the only uh, language other than unknown tongues that I speak. Um, my children elbow me if I try to use my broken Spanish at the Mexican restaurant. Um, you know, I'm, I'm finding out I've, I've I've become one of those uh, I've become one of those dads. You know what I'm saying? The the dad jokes. You know what I'm saying? 
Uh, now, Pam doesn't wear the mom jeans, so you got it, baby, but I'm, I'm the dad, you know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, so English is the only language I speak, so I'm not trying to offend anybody that speaks English. But English is, is, is really, um, it, it's, it, it's, it is so far less of a language than the Greek and the Hebrew. And so we go from, from, from Greek and Hebrew into English. Uh, that's why, again, you know, we talked about this, we talked about the Word of God. You know, to be able to go back to the original language and, and study, um, and there's all kinds of tools now. You don't have to be able to speak Greek to study Greek because of the tools that have been uh, you know, developed. Uh, but to go back to those you know, original words, um, Dr. Rick Renner, um, if you've never heard of him, he is, uh, in, in my opinion, one of the more amazing Bible teachers that's alive today. And he is a Greek scholar, but he's, you know, unfortunately, a lot of folks that are in the academia of, of Christianity uh, are, are kind of dry, you know, let's just say it that way. This brother is a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, world-class evangelist who's also um, a genius when it comes to the Greek language. Uh, Rick Renner, R-E-N-N-E-R. Um, if you've read my book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction, when I talk about having my devotion sent to my phone, I get uh, one from him every day, and, um, and he breaks down uh, the, uh, the language. He was at the minister's conference, and um, remember five loaves and two fish? Yeah. Um, I've never heard this before. goes back to the original language, all right? It was actually five crackers. The, the word in the original Greek, it doesn't mean bread or loaf of bread. It literally means cracker, okay? And that would make sense. Like, the fish would be like minnows, and that would make sense because, the, again, the Greek terminology used for the little boy um, would have put him less than 10 years old, uh, absolutely less than 10 years old. Some believe six, seven years old, five to seven years old. No, the little boy that had the, right? And so... Notice now how that makes sense. Crackers with a little fish, right? But again, you know, you got folks. I've even heard people teach that he had large fish. And it says small fish, but they say, well, you know, large fish. And I've, I've even had people like he's like this, like this kid had a food truck out there, you know, and was selling it. Literally, I've heard it, I've heard it said that that he was selling it, and after after it was over, Jesus gave him all those fragments, and he franchised it, you know. Um, so, but, so again, you go to that original language, and that's where you, you get the, the exact what was being said. Um, and um, so I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth. Again, it's the spirit of it. It's, it's, it's understanding that our God is not just one God among many. He's not one sovereign God among many sovereign gods. And I sure hope, you know, that no other sovereign God overthrows Him anytime soon. Absolutely not. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Amen? All right, praise God. Let me give you, uh, let me give you two more verses, okay? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. I've mentioned this verse uh, several times. Y'all get anything out of this tonight? All right, praise God. Can y'all hear me in the back back there? Everybody good? All right. I can get my voice up if I need to. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, 
who is the image of God, should shine on them. Lots of teaching here. I'm not going to try to teach this verse. So the main thing I want you to see is the, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this age or the God of this world. All right? Um, one more. John chapter 14 and verse number 30. Okay, John chapter 14 and verse number 30. Jesus speaking, He says, I'll no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and He has nothing in Me. Again, the ruler of this world is coming. Who's He talking about there? Is He talking about His Father? No, He's talking about the devil. He's talking about Satan. The ruler of this world is coming. Um, this is why the Bible, when He says He has nothing in Me, this is why the Bible tells you and me to give no place to the devil. To give no place to the devil. Satan was coming for Jesus, the ruler of this world. And Jesus says, and he, notice lowercase h, has nothing in me. You know, the, the pronouns are capitalized here when it's referring to God. So the ruler of this world, again, see, this, we have this idea that God is ruler of this world. My friend, he created this world, put you and me in charge of it, and we abdicated our throne to the devil. We sold out to him. Jesus came to take back from him the authority that Adam was given and turned over to the devil. This is why after Jesus' resurrection, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has now been given to me. And then what did he do? He gave that authority back to you and me. Praise God. All right. Um, let's see here. I said, I said a couple more, didn't I? Um, thank you, Jesus. Let's go John 17. I'm just going to ride this out, all right? Let's just stay with it for another minute. John 17, verse 15, okay? John 17, verse 15, Jesus praying to His Father for you and me. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So, what is He saying here? If you've ever heard um, it said that we're in this world, but not of it, um, that statement, of, it's a true statement, um, it is derived um, from these verses and others in this section of John chapter 17. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Uh, so this is how we're able to rule and reign in life here on this earth through the one who has uh, made us righteous by giving us an abundance of grace. Amen. Praise God. All right. I, I've, um, I've been teaching on these things uh, a little bit on Sundays. One, one final thing, and, and for those of you who heard me say this recently, um, I'll just water it in your heart, and uh, for others we'll plant it there, okay? I believe when it comes to the will of God for man, God's will for your life, okay, that we can see it most clearly in three distinct places, okay? The will of God for mankind we can see it most clearly in three distinct places. Number one, the Garden of Eden before sin. The Garden of Eden before sin. This again is a place, we don't have a lot on that, but we do have some on that in Scripture. And of course we know it was a place where Father God came in the cool of the evening, there was fellowship between Him and Adam. We see that, that Adam was uh, fruitful and, 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 and all these things, but... It, it, he took great joy in, in his meaningful work. There's lots of things that we could, you know, again, look at and learn from there. But 
you know, clearly what happens after sin and the curse that came because of sin and the cancer and all these other things that came because of that first sin, amen, and many sins after that, um, have polluted and contaminated and carried mankind away from um, Father's ultimate uh, plans and desires for us. So three places. First one, the Garden of Eden before uh, Adam and Eve sinned. The second place you can see the will of God for mankind most clearly is in the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. The earthly life and ministry of Jesus. Okay? And remember, uh, Bill Johnson says, Jesus is perfect theology. I love that quote right there. Um, Jesus came to uh, thoroughly and particularly and completely reveal to us our Father in heaven. Jesus said, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. If you can't find it in the life and ministry of Jesus recorded in the four Gospels, it ain't God. Okay? Amen. Okay, and that's, again, a, a, a life changer right there uh, for us to understand these things. Praise God. All right, so three places. Number one, the Garden of Eden before sin. Number two, the earthly ministry of Jesus. And the third one I think is pretty obvious, but it's what we know heaven will one day be like. What we know heaven will one day be like. Okay? And of course we know there will you know, be no, no sickness there, there be no dying there, there will be no poverty there, uh, there will be no, uh, no curse there. Um, we have a little more uh, in Scripture uh, about you know, daily life in you know, heaven uh, than what we have in the garden. Uh, but ag again, we only have glimpses of that in, this, in the Word. But the glimpses are enough to know that's where we want to be, right? <laughs> Amen. All right. So I'm, I'm pointing that out to you because we have those three places and, and a lot of folks look at those as um, uh, big word like mayonnaise anomalies or outliers. They're like the, you know, as they look at those three different things and somehow, especially when I say heaven, but, but let's, let's take the heaven piece out of it for a moment. Life in the garden before sin, earthly ministry of Jesus. And we just think that those were, you know, two little brief windows and that everything that happened between those events and after those events is somehow, you know, what life's always supposed to be like. No, 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 my friend. Um, the, an anomaly means something that's odd or different or, you know, unique. Um, I'm offering to you that, that, <laughs> that what we experience is odd and different and unique than what Father God uh, created for us to experience and enjoy. Are you following that? Oh, that's really important right there. I'm not... Uh, I feel some of you kind of slipping away a little bit. I'm not trying to, you know, sound like Charlie Brown's teacher up here, but I want to make sure you get that, okay? And so remember the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, set apart as your name above all others. Again, you can't set him apart if you call him sovereign. Queen Elizabeth, sovereign. Are you kidding me? Amen. Our God's omnipotent. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven as it is in heaven, in us, right? So, um, crime rate in heaven tonight, what do you think it is? That's what I'm saying, right? Uh, people starving to death in heaven, reckon how many? So again, um, 
what what we're experiencing now is is what is messed up. Okay, um, what we see in the garden, what we see in the earthly ministry of Jesus, and what we know heaven one day be like is how it was always meant to be. And aren't you glad Father uh, has put a plan in place, and and the fullness of all of that um, is leading us uh, to that life for all of eternity. Well, amen. I think you ought to get more excited about that. But that's okay. Amen. Yes, sister. And I, I agree with that. Um, I agree with that, number one, based upon things in the Bible that seem to, to hint at that. It doesn't really say it like just like as plainly as you said it. Um, but um, uh, in August of, I believe it was, mm, I don't remember the, the year. He mentioned it at the minister's conference. But Brother Jesse Duplantis actually went to heaven. And... Um, was it 99? Is it? Did you? Okay. It was anyway. Spent a spent a, uh, a, a quite a bit of time uh, there, and um, and that was one of the things that he said is that there are people just all over heaven being taught and trained, and um, and I, I I agree with that. Praise God. I believe that. Wash it on out, huh? One of the things, if, if you've got the, the faith to receive it, and, and if you don't, just set it on a shelf. Don't reject it, okay? But one of the things that he was talking about at the minister's conference when he was in heaven, that he went to the Apostle Paul's house, and he even describes the windowsill that he was sitting in while Paul was talking to him. And, um, and he, was, <laughs> he, he was asking him about, you know, uh, um, where people enjoying his writings and were they helping the body of Christ and, and just the conversation that, that he had uh, with him uh, ab- about this and, and, um, and one of the things that the Apostle Paul said to him, he said people have, when he talked about our light and temporary uh, affliction um, he said people have, have taken that and, and they've um, completely misunderstood what the Holy Spirit was saying uh, and, and they've tried to create a whole doctrine around that um, and, he, and he asked Jesse, he said, would you please help correct that? He said, I, I was talking about uh, things that, and if you, again, if you listen to what he's saying and then go back to the verse, things that aren't even worthy to be compared to what God has for us and yet people tend to focus on the the temporary affliction way more than they do the eternal weight of glory amen so praise god i don't mean to get too far down that road so it's kind of far out night tonight everybody going with me everybody good okay all right so let's see here we've got a few more minutes so let's push on into this next one all right so quick review we're answering this question what is man we've said that man is a god class being number two we said man is a spirit being number three we said man is a legal authority on earth, okay? 
Right? What is man? Remember the psalmist asked the question, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is man that you visit him? What is, what is man, what is it about us that, that, that our Creator, Father, Omnipotent God um, has such an obsession with? Um, what is it that, 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 you know, even the Bible says angels long to look into it and understand it, okay? You ever, you ever had a, a friend that was in a relationship with somebody that um, you didn't think that, that person uh, was worthy of their love and affection, and you're like trying to figure out what they see in that individual, and you're like, man, I don't get it. I don't see, you know. Well, that's kind of like angels, you know. They're like, man, I don't, I don't get it, you know. But, but, um, amen. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing uh, love that he, that he has for us. Um, and remember, I've said it early and often. Um, I didn't decide this. I didn't, I didn't say to God, you either make me a God-class being, spirit being, legal authority on the earth, or don't create me at all. This, this is His doings. And, and we're going to just learn to agree with Him and agree with Him quickly. Amen? Alright, so now, number four. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Okay, now one more time. Man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. Now for those of you who have been with us and been part of the earlier classes, um, this is going to sound familiar to some of the things we've already talked about. Uh, and we have emphasized this point uh, throughout, um, many times throughout the last uh, 19 and a half classes now that we've been together. Uh, remember, when it says image and likeness, it's communicating that we look like God looks and we function the way He functions. Alright? So, we have two eyes, one nose, one mouth, two ears because God has two eyes, one nose, one mouth, two ears. And He created us to look like Him. Hands with four fingers and a thumb, a right and a left, a hip, foot. Are you following what I'm saying? Father God has a foot and a hip and a backside and a head and hair and ears. And we were created as in His image and likeness, meaning we were created to look the way He looks, but also we were created to function the way He functions. Right Now, we've used this, of course, in establishing the truth from the Word of God that mankind is a God-class being. Right? And that we are the only being created in the image and likeness of God. When God created things, He spoke to the thing from which He created. He spoke to the earth and created plants. He spoke to the earth and created animals. He spoke to the waters and created the fish, right? But when He created you and me, He spoke to Himself. We were not created from the earth. Remember, God formed man, our, our flesh, from the dust of the earth, but then breathed into that, that vessel, that container, if you will, that flesh container, His breath of life. Now, what we're going to focus on now with this 
man is a being created in the image and likeness of God, is we're, we're going fun- to focus on this functionality piece. Okay? And, and this is, um, especially if, if, if you are um, uh, like really into practical things, you're going to really, really enjoy uh, this point right here. Okay? Because we were created in the image and likeness of God to look like He looks and to function the way He functions. Listen to this very carefully now. We possess certain characteristics and abilities that exist nowhere else in creation other than in God Himself. Created in His image and likeness means you possess abilities and characteristics that exist nowhere else in creation. Right? Now, I'm going to just give you an example and, and, a, and a, a beautiful example of one of those characteristics and abilities is what I'm doing right now. Standing in front of you and I'm speaking. I am communicating to you. I am talking to you. Now you say, wait a second, Pastor Mark. You said that exists nowhere else in creation. Uh, other living organisms are able to communicate with one another. Absolutely. And obviously, the God who created them is a communicator, and, and His thumbprints are going to be in that creation. But no other living thing communicates on the level with which we communicate. Amen. Because again, we have the characteristic and ability that is exactly like, identical uh, to, to, to God's ability to speak. We have the ability to speak um, because we're created in His image and likeness in the same way that we have the four fingers and the thumb on both hands. Speaking is what makes us not only like Him, but it enables us to function the way our Creator Father, who is omnipotent, by the way, did I mention that, uh, functions. Okay, Now, these characteristics and abilities are very powerful and have tremendous impact on life in general and your life in particular. Very powerful. And have tremendous impact on life in general and our individual lives in particular. Okay? I know that... Amen. Let me just... I want to lay some groundwork here, so let me, let me do that, and then we'll start... Unpacking these one by one, okay? When it comes to an understanding of these characteristics and abilities, because they are very powerful, our ignorance of these things becomes Satan's advantage. For instance, when you do not understand the power that the words you speak have over your life, The Bible says that death and life are in the power of your tongue. Probably like a lot of you, I'm not a super fan of, of NBA. I watched it with my son. You know, I have to find out from him who we're pulling for, you know. <laughs> um, and obviously with Kobe dying in, in the helicopter crash. 
Have any of you paid attention to what a lot of his friends and teammates have said that he always said in early in his career? That he was going to die young and be immortalized. And, and, and people that knew him and loved him, they were like, man, quit saying that. Quit saying that. And eventually when he had children, they said that he, you know, realized, you know, he needed to stop saying those things. Death and life. Come on now. That ain't, that's not Pastor Mark's opinion. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. Death and life's in the power of your tongue. You say, I don't believe it, Pastor Mark. Okay, that's fine, but listen to me. Just, again, what if it's true? What if it's true? What if the life you're experiencing right now is a product of what you've said out of your mouth up until this point? What if, what if you could change what you're saying and it would change the life that you're living. What if I could show you in the Scripture that the words that come out of your mouth literally are charting the course that your life follows, and the course of your life will never change until what's coming out of your mouth changes. To some folks, this sounds like some kind of fantasy. It sounds like some kind of hocus-pocus. My friend, this is the Word of God. How did God create the universe? He created it by speaking. He sets things in, in motion by speaking. He declares the end of a thing from the beginning. He calls things that be not as though they were. He said, light be and light was. And it is and it will continue. You were created in His image and in His likeness. And the words that you speak are very powerful. This is Again, this is one. I'm, we're not going to look at a gazillion of them. We're going to look at several though. But this is... This is one, amen, I'm trying to give you an example of what I'm talking about so as I lay the groundwork for this, you'll have some idea of, 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 of where we're headed with all of this. So the point is, these characteristics and abilities, your ability to speak, created the image and likeness of God, very powerful, have tremendous impact on life in general and your life in particular, and our ignorance, your ignorance, my ignorance of these things is Satan's advantage. Let me, let me tell you what you need to know about this right here. A lot of things. Let me tell you what you need to know about this. What is man? One of the main reasons you need to know what you are is because the enemy of your soul is trying to use what you are against you. He's trying to take our ignorance of these things when we don't understand that we're the legal authority on planet earth. Our ignorance of that truth is to His advantage. He is the one that, that is able to uh, affect his will for mankind when the true uh, people who are in charge on planet earth do not understand they are, do not understand that if we submit ourselves to God to resist the devil, the devil will flee. Do not understand that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, having already been released in heaven, will be released on the earth. So we don't understand this. We think God's in control. God's sovereign. We don't understand why this is happening. There's a devil that's loose on this planet. 
that we're supposed to be putting in His place. We're supposed to be taking authority over Him. We're supposed to be rebuking Him. We're supposed to be casting Him out. We're supposed to be destroying His works. Not calling His works God's handiwork that we don't understand because God's sovereign. Well, I'm getting stirred up a little bit. So man is a being created in the likeness of God. Again, we've made this point multiple times. We made this point and talked about it when we made the first point that man is a God-class being. Man is a spirit being. But here we're, we're looking more at this functionality aspect of these things. So our ignorance of these things is to Satan's advantage because Satan wants to take what you are and use it against you. Now, these characteristics that we're talking about, you need to understand that they are both dynamic and interactive. Okay? Dynamic and interactive. So let's go with dynamic first. Dynamic is speaking of a force that stimulates change or movement within a system or process. Again, some big words like mayonnaise right there. I'm not trying to, you know, just impress you with big words. I'm trying to help you understand the concept of something that is dynamic. If something is dynamic, it's something characterized by constant activity. And when we say constant activity, I have it in parentheses here, but I want to make sure you understand this. If it's, if it's dynamic, it's always at work. It's, it's, it's always uh, producing. Please. Absolutely. 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 Yes, brother. Word seed. That's it, brother. They're seeds. Words are seeds. I, again, we, it's, it'll probably be next week, maybe even further down the road, because, but we're gonna, we'll spend a, a good part of, of this class um, 
talking about the words of our mouths and, and this ability that we have, this characteristic that we have as beings created in the likeness of God to speak and, and why that's so powerful. Um, when we say that it's dynamic, always at work, we want the good things we say to count, but the negative, unbelief-filled, doubt-filled, even hateful things we say to not count, and it, and it doesn't work that way. When we say it's a dynamic force, it's a force that stimulates change or movement within a system or process, characterized by constant activity, always at work, and I love this, an underlying cause of change. So this can be an underlying cause of change for the better, or it can be an underlying cause of change for the worse. And, and, and that's, you know, one of the things that I'm going to emphasize throughout all of this is that these characteristics can either be your best friend or they can be your worst enemy. They can work for you on your behalf to, to, to be uh, a powerful force for change uh, that stimulates change, that helps you know, move your life forward in, into the plans and purposes of God, or um, it, it can work uh, negatively against you. So do you see why our ignorance of these things becomes Satan's advantage? Amen. Did I see somebody else raise a hand? Okay. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. The atmosphere and then also the heart. The heart, right? Um, and that's like what Pam's talking about, what we say over our children. And, um, and I, I just cringe sometimes when I hear, you know, what people say, uh, you know, over their kids. Calling them demons and, you know, it's like, oh, my Lord, Jesus, help us. All right. So they're dynamic. Dynamic. I want to just spend some more time here, but I'm, I'm about out of time. So, a force that stimulates change or movement within a system or process. The, the key thing here, I've, I've said this before, um, I'm, a, I'm a student of change. I believe that we can change. People say, peop, you know, a lot of folks say people never change. I disagree with that. Um, I, I have to believe that with the Lord's help, we can change. Amen. But there's a lot of folks who desire change, but they have no idea how to change and what will produce change in their lives. And so, you know, just again, based on what we've just briefly mentioned about the words of our mouth, do you see how if what's coming out of your mouth never changes, and if it's a huge factor in what you're experiencing in life, right, and then no matter how much you want something to change, if, if what you're saying doesn't change, it's, it's, it's never going to change, all right? So, but again, they're dynamic, and, um, and the last uh, word here is, remember I said they're dynamic and interactive. So interactive is when two or more things uh, working together, influencing, uh, two or more things working together, influencing and affecting one another. Th this is the concept of something that's interactive. So... For instance, one of the first things we'll, we'll start with next week is one of the characteristics and abilities that we have is to think, reason, and form opinions. Right? You understand that God created you with the ability to think for yourself. Amen. He created you with the ability to, to form thoughts and for thoughts uh, and, and, and through you know, reasoning, 
uh, come to conclusions. And I'll show you how you know, what begins as a thought can ultimately become a, a building block for what you believe and, and how uh, you know, our, our, our inward thoughts, as we think in our heart, the Bible says, so are we. But reckon, so here's, an, here's the way to, to um, illustrate both dynamic and interactive. Um, it's not just that what we think has impact on our life and quality of life, and what we say has impact on our life and quality of, of life, but what we think and what we say interact with one another. Right? In other words, those things don't operate in silos. You, are you seeing this? Um, how about, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, out of the abundance of the heart, I'll give you these verse references later, the mouth speaks. So, how we think affects what we agree with, which affects what we believe, which affects our emotions. I'm giving you some clues here on some of the ones we're going to be looking into more, more carefully. Um, which, all of that, then, you know, released in, in the form of words. So if one of these things, um, if one of, of, of these characteristics is, uh, is powerful and dynamic, how powerful are multiples of them working together, feeding off of one another in our lives. Again, can either be your best friend or it can be your worst enemy. So one I'll, exactly. I mean it just we it, it's begins with what you believe, but Amen. Absolutely. So one last time, Satan's strategy is to use what you are against you. See, let's go back to, and, I, and I'll pray, amen. Let's go back to the words of your mouth. The, the devil has been disarmed. Jesus stripped him completely. I don't, I don't know, if you think of the words of your mouth as bullets, okay, as bullets, um, so, a gun, a loaded gun. That's why David said, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be, ex be acceptable in my sight. Um, we can kill people with our words. We can wound people with our words. So, but, you know, we've all had a verbal loose cannon in our lives, right? That just spout out their mouth. Anyway, let me back up here. So, because the devil doesn't have, if a gun makes you nervous, let's just say weapon. The devil doesn't have a weapon per se to use against you. He's trying to get you to take the weapon that is your mouth and turn it on yourself. Right? You see this? He, he, he don't have the gun. You got the gun. But he's trying to deceive you and manipulate you into shooting yourself in the foot every time you turn around. 
by what you say. Amen. Amen. All right, Father, we thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you, Lord, for what you're showing us, how you're teaching us and revealing yourself and your truth to us. I thank you, Father, tonight that no weapon formed against my brothers and sisters will prosper. I thank you, Father, that you're making us wise and we ask you, according to James 1, 5, 4, wisdom, Lord, tonight. We thank you for giving to each one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Some of these verses that Sister Pam quoted, Father, that we're your children and we're taught of you and great is our peace. And Father, that, that we are becoming wise and the wiser we become in you, the, the more difficult we become for, for, the, for the enemy to try to, to not just handle us, but to contain us and stop us, Father. And I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that the, that the, that the more we understand the truth from your word, Father, the, the greater the threat we become to the powers of darkness and the, and the more fruit we're able to bear to the glory of your name. So, Father, again, I say thank you for these men and women, for their faithfulness, for their diligence with their continued efforts, Lord. I pray specifically tonight, Father, for my sisters at the Foundry who would really, really love to be here, but their schedule won't allow it. Lord, as they listen to this class in the future, Lord, I thank you for speaking so powerfully to them. And as Dwayne talked about, the same environment and atmosphere that's in this room, Lord, let, it, let that same Holy Spirit presence be upon them when they watch it later and listen to it later. And Father, we thank you now for your love and your mercy and your Holy Spirit. Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you again for being here tonight. Good things coming. Praise God.